0: So the picture that Proverbs paints of Lady Wisdom reminds me of a bustling market that I visited years ago once in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I don't get out that far, that much, but this was quite an experience. Hundreds of people perusing and mingling, locals selling their colorful wares, the tingling sounds of trinkets, Hanging from their booths, the spicy smells, the really spicy smells of street food, wafting through mixed with sweat and the exhaust of the tuk-tuks, the little cabs. And the voices of the vendors, though, are what stand out to me still, calling out to passersby. And in certain parts of the city, they stand just like Lady Wisdom. In their booths, but also in the doorways and the gates and the crossroads, they speak with authority. The authority of those whose livelihoods depend on you responding to them and coming and patronizing them. You cannot get from one end of the market to the other without uh, being summoned. I remember one lady convincing me with so much authority that uh, yes, I did pay $20 for a small Buddha, uh, Come here, she said, come, okay, come and see, I'm coming. Lady Wisdom cries out just like her. She stands in the marketplace of attention. She stands above those hawking ideas and ideologies. She calls us to give our full attention to her and to what shapes our daily lives. Today, her voice stands out above the rest. She catches us looking up to her from our confused and our bewildering modern lives. She has something life-saving to say just for us. But first, I want to ask who, just who does she think she is? By what authority does Lady Wisdom presume to speak to us? This is her authority. She is the wisdom of God. She's the name of God's perception and prudence, God's discernment and judgment. With poetic flair, Proverbs compares God's wisdom to a woman born of God, with God, proceeding from God. She was with God before the creation. and God fashions the universe and each one of us through her. Now, to our graduates, if you haven't already, when you take an English course in college, you might run across Annie Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. It's sort of like Thoreau's Walden Pond, but with a lot more uh, nicotine and caffeine. It's an astonishing account of creation through the author's eyes as she explores the outdoors of her yard, (laughs) of the woods behind her house, Tinker Creek there in Virginia. She takes us by the hand to see the wonders we miss, but might not miss if we'd slow down. She ponders our local star, the sun, She marvels over human sensory experiences. She hovers over a microscope, peering at one cell of chlorophyll, which gives, she says, the green world its color. She points at wisdom's handiwork, noting that if you take the single atom of magnesium out of the chlorophyll molecule and replace it with one atom of iron, you get a molecule of hemoglobin which means that's how close we are from everything that turns the world green to the same molecule that makes our blood red. She also spends more time than I would like thinking philosophically about insects and muses that if we can have brass candlesticks in our houses, what's to prevent us from having praying mantises in our churches? have thought of that earlier. One could distill the theme of Dillard's entire Pulitzer Prize winning book to Proverbs 8. Then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Of what, though, does wisdom consist? What does it look like? What does it look like in your daily life? It looks like paying attention, having affection for other human beings, prizing insight. The Christian mystic philosopher Simone Weil once asked her nurse from her hospital bed, how much time do you devote each day to thinking It's a great question. It also makes a good insult, I think, if you think about it. If you're ever faced with, like, a bully or someone like that, hey, man, how much time a day do you devote to thinking? Um, Don't insult anybody with it. Don't do that. Anyway, being kind to the poor, learning to be calm under pressure. When I think of the demeanor of the kind of person that Proverbs is commending us to be, I think of a person with a certain steadiness of soul, a dependable person, a person who who isn't easily cowed, a person who doesn't buckle under peer pressure, a person who isn't vulnerable to groupthink, someone who isn't, as Paul says, blown about by every wind of doctrine. This is the kind of person that, A place like this spends all of its resources and time trying to help us to be. This is who you're learning to be. This is the kind of person and world we need each of you to be, a person who listens to wisdom when she calls and takes seriously her voice above all others. Now to be sure, Lady Wisdom has competition. There's another voice calling out to you, and her name is Lady Folly, also translated Lady Stupidity. It's in the Bible. Lady Folly also raises her voice, and Proverbs says this foolish woman is loud. (laughs) She's loud and she's ignorant and she knows nothing, Proverbs says, she sits at the door of her house calling to those who pass by. She says to them, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is so good. She wants you to be pliable and gullible and easily swayed. She wants you to consume and to be consumed. She wants you to be a different person when no one's looking. In the dark comedy film, Don't Look Up, we hear Lady Wisdom in the character of Dr. Kate Dviasky, pleading with President Orlean, who evokes Lady Folly, to prepare for an asteroid that's on track to strike the Earth in seven months. You might have seen the movie. When President Orlean hears there's a 100% chance of impact and the extinction of humankind, here's what she says. Please don't say 100%. Call it 70% and let's just just move on. But Dr. DiBiaschi says, but it's not even close to 70%. And President Orlean says, you cannot go around saying to people that there's a 100% chance they're going to die. You just can't do that. It's nuts. Lady Folly couldn't have said it better. Lady Wisdom says it to us every Ash Wednesday, right here. When I was a teenager, before I'd go out on the town a night with my friends, my dad would not say, be careful. He would not say, be home by 11. He wouldn't say, don't do anything I wouldn't do. He would say, don't do anything stupid. And I would always think of that right before I did anything stupid. In his letters and papers from prison, Dietrich Bonhoeffer teaches us how to understand stupidity. I want to make sure you understand I'm not talking about a character trait. I'm talking about a power, something that can hold us captive, Uh, a power often stronger than us that wraps itself around us and changes our direction. Bonhoeffer says, we can identify the person held captive by stupidity this way. When we feel like we're not really talking to them in a conversation, but we're having a conversation with slogans and catchwords and the like and that have taken possession of them. You ever had a conversation like that? Man, you're not even thinking. You're just saying what they said. How much time a day do you devote to thinking? Bonhoeffer is writing this from a Nazi prison. He's warning us to be extremely careful with someone who's fallen prey to this way of thinking because they cannot be reasoned with and they are therefore very dangerous. What would Bonhoeffer say to us who are living through this new age of stupidity? He would say, listen to lady wisdom. In fact, Bonhoeffer points us to Proverbs. He says, revering God is the beginning of wisdom. And this means the only genuine way to overcome stupidity is to seek the liberation of human beings. I hope that's what you'll spend the rest of your lives doing, seeking the liberation of other human beings. What if at the end of the 21st century, Christians who, though smaller in number, much smaller in number, will be uh, thought of as wise, will have the reputation of being wise. How will we have gotten there? I believe it will be by listening to the one calling us from the streets and the gateways of life, by the side of the road and by the side of the shore. Come and follow me. We see Lady Wisdom incarnate in Jesus. We hear Lady Wisdom when we hear Jesus. We follow Lady Wisdom when we follow Jesus. But where does wisdom invite us to go today? We first learn to become wise when we follow wisdom, where? Into our closets, into our quiet spaces, into the place, wherever that place is that's away from all of the noise and all of the mixture of voices that compete for our attention, shut the door behind you and pray to God in secret. Once upon a time, a young monk came to the city of Cetus to visit with an older monk, an old man, an experienced monk named Abba Moses. And the young brother asked him, Father, give me a word. That's what they would say probably right before they graduated or right after they graduated, they would come to someone with expertise and wisdom and say, give me something to hang my life on. Give me a word. And this is what Abba Moses said to him. He said, go sit in your cell and your cell will teach you everything. To our graduates and to everyone overhearing, Why sit in your cell? Because even on the Christian way, there is a cacophony, too many voices to discern. Voices competing for your attention. Your cell will teach you everything by teaching you the only thing you really need to know. How will you know when you're hearing the voice of Lady Wisdom? because she sounds just like Jesus. The Lord bless and keep each of you, dear children. Go now and devote some time each day to thinking.